Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Write that, write that down, Fumi Saito. Oh, hello. From Burbank, California. We're back. New episode for you this week. Eventful weekend, both Fumi's son and I had this past weekend. Did you see Pro Wrestling Noah's Yokohama Arena event this weekend? Did you see Bye Bye Muta? If you saw it, you saw Jin Seishinzaki or Hakushi, who's the subject of our episode today. We didn't talk about it in the air, actually, but what I realized after we had finished talking was this guy, Jinsei Shinzaki Hakushi, he never won an important single match, singles match, excuse me, you know what I mean? He never won a big singles championship. He never had that... We never had that moment. And still we're talking about him, yet still... We remember all of his big moments. Hakushi didn't wrestle as much as a lot of the wrestlers that we talk about often on this show. And he was just as important behind the scenes as he was in the ring. Maybe more important backstage, as we come to learn in this episode. From being a part of Jack, J-A-C... Sonny Chiba's acting stuntman union to the early days UWH Pan Michinoka Pro Lucha Pro Wrestling combination the early hybrid he was a part of that he was a part of WWF very interesting time and we talked a lot about the WWF Mania Tour that was in Japan in 94 which is very interesting and if you go on YouTube or Daily Motion, you might be able to check some of those bouts out that we talk about. This guy's very interesting. Yeah, and again, we saw him, and I think he was the MVP of the match this weekend with him and Akira and Naomichimura Fuji taking on Sting and Darby Allen and Great Muta. And we talked about why he's special and why he's different and important and a lot of what makes him unique is what he has done and who he is out of the ring mentoring Kano starting Tokushima Ramen helping start Sendai Girls 
teaching a stretching class for old folks. Who is this guy? Sakushi. We talk about him today. Before we get into all of that, please subscribe to the Viking Media Network podcast feed on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening to your podcast. It helps us very much. Very much. Please enjoy this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Brand new episode. Lots of exciting things happening in the next month or so. We'll have some nice announcements for you. Until then, enjoy today's episode talking about Hakushi Jinsei Shinzaki. And we're going to come into a conversation from Jean and I had talking about the mid-90s. Let's get started. Mid 90s, but at the, around the, around the time though in Japan, Japanese um, uh, wrestling fans weren't so interested in American wrestling scene. That hurt too. Mm-hmm. I was making all, all you know American pages every week, week in week out for weekly pro wrestling, Shukan Pro Wrestling magazine every week, mm-hmm. and I had almost had to fight to get the pages, you know, because it's like well nobody wants to read that. So yeah, yeah, they do too, you know. It, it was it, a, it was a time when New Japan and All Japan were much hotter than WWF at the time. Wrestling at mid nineties was a low point. Uh, but if the, you know if you give Japanese audience a chance to watch uh, Monday Night Raw or Monday Nitro for that matter, uh, the cable TV, the Sky Perfect TV, the you know satellite TV started like in ninety seven, ninety eight. People started catching up. Then pretty soon they were, you know, Japanese audience were watching Stone Cold and Rock. Pretty soon, but it was like a gap that the, while Shinzaki was working WWF, Japanese fans weren't paying all that much attention uh, about American pro wrestling. Yeah. And NWO felt closer because there was a more link with WCW and New Japan and Chono NWO member going back and forth and back and forth with the same logo NWO. In NWO Japan and NWO in America, and just felt a little closer than uh, far away WWF. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, there, there was a, a connection between, uh, you know, there was NWA title there for a little bit. Uh, there was always mm-hmm. a little bit of familiarity. There was the Fujinami Flare match a, year, a couple of years before. It wasn't too, yeah. it, like you said, it was a little bit familiar. Yeah, yeah. Fans, oh, would, was, fans would say, Fujinami, oh, I know these guys. Flare match in Florida, St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. That uh, was that a great fr- what was the name of the show that uh, Brawl 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 for All Super Brawl yeah Super Brawl oh in, oh, yeah. in the Tokyo Dome and uh, three months after that uh, back to Florida Flair against Fujinami one more time in Florida yeah. and uh, but so WCW and New Japan had a working relationship so Japanese fans thought that the WCW was a little closer than. Uh, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at the time. But Shinzaki was the one who was in that package. Yeah. But the, he came back in 96 and went right back to Michinoku Pro Wrestling. But uh, 
96, now we're talking about the Tokyo Dome match that the, you, you know, went back and watched. Great Muta against Hakushi at the Tokyo Dome. That's right. That was the original, you know, like sequence of what, what we just witnessed last week. Sure. Yeah, yeah was, I think yeah. some things were transposed, like, a, you know, going back and watching the, the Tokyo Dome match again, you see Great Muta knock sensations or hakushi off the apron onto the table he flew onto the table yeah. yeah we saw it one more time but this time sting did it yeah this weekend yeah, uh, great muta is very careful about you know these spot if you okay it's about the match great muta and shinsuke nakamura in january 1st there was a few spot that that uh Great Muta against Antonio Inoki, that Inoki's, you know, giving sleeper hold on apron on, on, on to Great Muta. Shinsuke mm. Nakamura did the exact same spot mm-hmm. during the match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this is a, they are teasing how people, you know, remember. Well, if you don't remember any of that from like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it's just just that. It's new, you know, you can still watch that. But if you remember, old matches from 20, 25 years ago that there's like, whoa, I've seen this one. Oh my gosh. You know, like it's almost like a sequel. It really, you know, stimulate your like memory lane. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Very unique uh, character, especially Hakushi. Yeah. And then ha- very first Hakushi match, if you remember, he, he juiced, right? And um, with this, oh. the Tokyo Dome match. Lots. And, it was just yeah. uh, all over the place, and, Muto, and Muta's great Muta paint used, was coming off. Yeah, yeah. The great Muta used Shin, the Hakushi's blood. He spelled death with blood on, on a piece of wood. You know, the, the graveyard wood. You know, that was death. And this time at the Yokohama Arena, same scene, almost kind of sequel, right? He used he used his pointing finger. You know, from the forehead of Hakushi and spelled it the end, like 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 your scary movie. Mm. Yeah. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it was very interesting that if you knew both matches, you get a lot more out of it. Or you, of course, you can watch that match alone. You know, this Yokohama match, it was really, really very spectacular, right? Yeah, over the top. Everything was yeah. pretty over the top. Yeah, and they made sure that every, every match was made. You know, Maruhuji and Sting a little bit. That was but, nice, yeah. Yeah, and even Akira and Muta. 
and the Derby Allen's introduction to Japanese fans. So he did uh, his signature moves. And uh, it wasn't, even, I mean, if you think about Great Muta and Sting and third member of the team, is like, who is that, right? But uh, he did real well as a, uh, for a newcomer, I think. He skateboarded down the ramp. That was good. That was good, like a today's kid, yeah. And it said bye-bye on a skateboard. Yeah, it did. That was the whole theme. Great Muta's paint on the face said bye-bye too. So it was just, the whole theme was just right, right there. And it was uh, it was pretty much first time in years and years that the Jinsei did this Hakushi gimmick. And he came back with this new, brand new costume to be just basic Buddhist costume, right? You know, like you're a Japanese myth. This um, Jinsei's Henro thing actually goes back to like 1,200 years, you know, as a, as a Japanese legend, you know, the uh, Kukai, the Buddhist monk that goes to 88 spiritual place within Shikoku, and you were the program traveling there, and uh, Shinzaki makes each stop. I mean, Hakushi makes stop, mm-hmm. and that was like one of the stops that he made this time. Does that make any sense? It's a, it's an esoteric idea to Judeo-Christian West, but I think it's making right. sense. Yes. No, it's very interesting because um, a lot of the nuance about the Hakushi character, it's it's hard mm-hmm. to, to just blurt out and explain. It's not it's not so clear. You know, it doesn't have to be completely understood for pro wrestling. That's yeah, not but he's not a ghost. He's a, yeah. the actual pilgrim character. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so this, if you know more about it, you know, you get more out of it. Yeah. And all the, this kanji writing on his whole body. If you had to sum up what that said for people that didn't know, what would you say? Oh, it's like a you know, Bible writing, you know, the dokyo. Yeah. Kind of like, like a scripture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like initially when he went to WWE back in 95, people thought it was actual tattoo all over his face and body mm. yeah there had been nothing like that uh, there, there was never a character that looked quite like that uh that uh matt bloom did it a little bit you know he I did mean, it later uh, Tensai. yeah yeah very similar right it's a sticker <laughs> sticker tattoo but uh those kanji writing on your body yeah i think matt blooms are a lot of those were real too Oh, but he yeah, he did have the the the, the white angel style uh, stick on on his face and such, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. short lived, but uh, they kind of tried the same character, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, but this, you know, it was it had to be Hakushi who you know who, who had to be in this great Muta final match. I mean, like a closing chapter of Great Muta. Very clear, very clear, uh, clear message to everyone. It's over. Yeah, for Keiji Muto, you know, Keiji Muto, the wrestler, and Great Muta, the character, two different person, right? Very different. Yeah, it was a final night for Great Muta character. Yeah. You had to have Sting in there. Yeah. You had to have Marufuji in there. You had to have Hakushi in there. You had to have Akira in there. Pretty much made a lot of sense. And I think for a, most of the people that took part in the match, including Sting, Muta, Akira, 
Hakushi and outside the ring great Kabuki. I think this might have been the last appearance for a lot of those guys as these. I guess. Characters. Yeah, obviously, yeah it's ob obviously, it's Stinger's last appearance in Japan. Mm -hmm. He probably won't be making more tours, mm -hmm. right? Great, great Kabuki said, if it was end of end of Great Kabuki, Great Muta, that would be the end of Great Kabuki too. Hmm. He wouldn't come into the ring and do the nunchucks anymore. And hmm. the mist, going the mist thing. Yeah. And Akira won't be doing Akira character either. Hmm. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Kind of like that a was... grand finale for a lot of these guys in some ways. This meeting is being recorded. Are you there? Oh, yeah. Did, uh, did I lose it? I think something just uh, disconnected yeah, and connected. Just about half a second, yes. Okay, all good. Okay. Well, I'm good, yeah. Anyhow, so that's right. That was the final appearance of Great Muta, final appearance of Sting, final appearance of original Great Kabuki. And uh, yeah, probably it was the last time, you know, Shinzaki doing Hakushi then. Hmm. No reason to become Hakushi if right. it wasn't for Great Muta. Yeah. For tonight, we're talking about Hakushi and, you know, the wrestler and the promoter, the pro producer, uh, Jinsei Shinzaki. Yeah, actually, he... And Grey Sasuke have been running Michinoku Pro Wrestling over a good, better part of 20 years. That uh, back in 2003, when Grey Sasuke went to pub, you know to run for public office in Iwate Prefecture, and uh, he won the election, and uh, it was uh, spring of 2003, Jinsei Shinzaki took over the company as a president. I mean, real, real president of Michinoku Pro Wrestling. I mean, never retired. It was interesting that uh, it's in English-speaking world, American fans, is that, is that the same Hakushi, right? I thought he was retired, something like that, right? Sure. Yeah, but uh, he's been running uh, Michinoku Pro Wrestling without retiring as active wrestler all, I mean, all this time. In 2003, he became president of Michinoku Pro Wrestling. In 2005, he formed Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling with Meiko Satomura. Huh. Yeah, little, little, yeah, it's, it's not known that uh, he had this vision. Gaia Girls, you know, Chikusa Nagayo's Gaia Girls company, mm -hmm. they closed out, you know, closed up shop, you know, like basically stopped running, you know, wrestling company. It was just, that was the end of Gaia Girls, April of 2005. And Shinzaki, you know, seeing something in Satomura, like, uh, went, to, went to talk to her. He's like, what are you going to do after this guy in Japan? Like, and she thought she was going to go in America and go to school or something. And she had no plan. And uh, Meiko Satomura, as you see today, she is not the kind of wrestler working under somebody. No. She's no. a leader. You know what I'm saying? Clearly. It's yeah, if anybody be running a new company or training new wrestler or to start a new brand new company, that Satomura and Satomura and Shinzaki got together and formed Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling in 2005 as a part of Michinoku Project Company. Isn't that interesting? Mm. That's why it's Sendai Girls uh, based in Miyagi Prefecture, Sendai, way up north. Just the sister company of Michinoku Pro Wrestling, running the same area. And it was the Satomura's vision that she would not get help from existing wrestlers. Just Satomura and everybody else's rookie. 
she'll train rookie from scratch and debut them uh, for Sendai girls. It was a very, very interesting way to start because when you start independent company or new company, several of you know your, your top position come from someplace else, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, like with the wrestlers who worked elsewhere. But it was Satomura and Shinzaki's vision that the only name wrestler would be Meiko Satomura and everybody else would be rookie. And that, that worked. That the red top and bottom, Sendai girls. And it was that the place like rookie against Dynamite Kanzai, rookie against Aja Kong, rookie against Mariko Yoshida, rookie against uh, like Kyoko Inoue or something like that. It's just like, wow, everything is like a challenge, challenge, challenge. It really worked. And I used to go Sendai just to attend their card. Yeah. I mean, took bullet train to just to go Sendai girls match. And now that the Sendai girls, you know, 17 years later, you have like a people like um, Chihiro Hashimoto. And, you oh, know what yeah. I'm saying? One of my yeah. favorites. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She even appeared yeah. on some of the men's shows late last year on mm-hmm. uh, All Japan. Mm-hmm. And she was an amateur wrestling champion. Yeah, one of the best in yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. trains every day. Yep, yep. So Satomura method of training and running company and running dojo is still there. And it's very interesting that, uh, well, now that uh, Meiko Satomura herself is traveling all over the world, and uh, basically uh, Chihiro Hashimoto took over the dojo side of the business, and the second, third generations of wrestlers, you know, uh, with Sendai Girls. But the Sendai Girl is another company that has home base up in Sendai. Isn't that interesting? So when it started out, was it? just a part of Michinoku Pro or was it its own promotion from the get-go? How did that Our own that promotion, start? but the parent company was called Michinoku Project. Uh, uh, right, Michinoku, okay. Yeah, the company entity is called Michinoku Project and the Michinoku, Michinoku Project ran the men's side Michinoku Pro Wrestling and women's division uh, Sendai Girls. It eventually became two separate you know, stock and two separate company now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when at the same time that Shinzaki started, you know, running his ramen franchise and uh, Tokushima Ramen, he has like a three restaurant now. And now he's doing, uh, uh, it's called Kiroi Takoyaki. It's a takoyaki with curry sauce. <laughs> you have to explain that to English speaking world. It's like, a, like black. <laughs> but right. takoyaki is like a round thing, you know? It's... Yeah, so a takoyaki is like a squid. Ball, yeah, or like like excuse me, octopus ball. Squid yeah, is ika. Yeah. That's different. Right. Uh, uh, Takoyaki is taco is uh, octopus. Like, you know, kind of octopus. Right, right. Octopus ball yeah. with it's kind of curry a, sauce on top of it. Curry sauce and uh, the fish flakes and uh, yeah, something like that. Right. So batter. Right, and and the meat that the Shinzaki's team drives the truck around, you know, like a wrestling building or the right in front of the train station and sells it. Yeah, it's a real a great example of kind of street food or when you go to a yeah, sports yeah. game or... Soul food. A, yeah. yeah, like you're at the picnic and you go over to the vendor and there's always, you know, takoyaki or... <laughs> Okonomiyaki or... Okonomiyaki, or... yes, or... Yeah, something like that. Then also runs ramen from like Tokushima ramen from mm-hmm. like his hometown Tokushima he franchised that up in, up north 
So he runs ramen house and the takoyaki house and wrestling company. Wow. As an entrepreneur. <laughs> never retired. Ne- never retired. Doesn't he, he was old. when did he start the uh, restaurants? Oh, right around the same time that he took over company because he needed uh, more of a cash flow. Mm. That uh, Michinoku, I told you about this, you know, like up north, that the, during snow season, you could only run so many shows in December and January. That's right. That's why Michinoku during January and February, they go down south, like Kyushu Island, and join, you know, have, have joint shows, Kyushu's independent company, and run their house shows. Hmm. Or come to Tokyo uh, twice a year and run their precious Korakuen premier shows, June and December every year. Hmm. And also Michinoku Pro Wrestling became a place where um, Toriumon graduate from Mexico, you know, Ultimo Dragon Wrestling School. Mm-hmm. They graduate like a, like a younger wrestler who could either go to, you know, New Japan or All Japan or Pro Wrestling Noah, but some wrestlers choose to be with Michinoku Pro Wrestling, Yapeman 1, Yapeman 2, the, you know, the, the wrestler they have now that is basically most of them come from Ultimo Dragons, uh, the Toriumon School in Mexico. Mm. Yeah, you see, like, people like Taiji Ishimori were signed with Pro Wrestling Noah in New Japan, and a lot of the uh, that the Toriumon graduate would work Dragon Gate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but some guys choose Michinoku Pro Wrestling, and they're there to stay. Is uh, isn't that where Keno started? Ken O is actual protege of Shinzaki from Tokushima, that uh, hometown. So yeah. there's a pretty deep uh, connection between those two. Oh, actual protege that hmm. uh, Ken O came to Shinzaki. He wanted to be a pro wrestler. Ken O actually is national um, Kenpo Karate champion. Yeah, he was like, the youngest champion at the time. Like 23 yeah. years old. And he didn't want to work, you know, go to established group that he went straight to his hometown hero, Shinzaki, and want to be wrestler. And mm. Shinzaki had this method that you, you, you can debut Ken O right there, but uh, Shinzaki had this idea that uh, you don't want to start Ken O in the first match guy, right? Mm-hmm. So he sent Ken O into Super Dolphins, Okinawa Pro Wrestling for one year under the mask. You know, people didn't know about it because what happened to Ken O, right? He announced that he's, you know, joining up and signed with Michinoku. All, all of a sudden he's gone. Actually, Shinzaki sent young Ken O to Super Dolphins, Okinawa Pro Wrestling. At the time, in that way down in Okinawa, Super Dolphin was running 300 shows a year, every day. Same place. So when he came back one year later, he already had 300 matches under his different identity. And he was ready to be put in the, in the main event spot. Then a few years later, Ken O asked Shinzaki, I want to work pro wrestling in Noah. Okay, I'll, I'll set up this for you. And uh, yeah, basically, Jin, Shinzaki negotiated with pro wrestling Noah so he can, Ken O can join. So he's, yeah, the Ken has been with Pro Wrestling Noah the past, what, seven years or so now? Mm, yeah. 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 So, right. The, the strong connection. It's not an interesting method. 
to send rookie to uh, at the time Okinawa Pro Wrestling. You know, then nobody knew where he was because he was wearing mask, had a different identity, and had a, you know the, the typical Japanese lucha libre style match. You know, night in, night out for 300 nights, and you already had 300, 300 matches under under your belt. And then came back as a good worker. Interesting, huh? It's kind of like a mini excursion. Yeah, yeah, because people don't really follow like match result of Okinawa Pro Wrestling, right? At the time when Ken O was um, was Okinawa Pro Wrestling, then active Kyoko Kimura was there too, mm-hmm. under mask. Yeah, and also eighth grade Hana Kimura doing the local teen idol too. Plus, you know, Okinawa is almost. Almost like a different country. In Hawaii, going to Hawaii, huh? Right. It's it's almost like you're you're in a different kind of world. Country. Yeah, because seventy percent of the landscape is like um, U.S. base. Right. There's a lot of U.S. franchises there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Okinawa and Naha and uh, the big U.S. base with what one hundred fifty thousand soldiers there. Yeah. So that's like we have to have, you know, study the real history of it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Okinawa is Japan, but it has a real mixed culture, you know. And up until 50 years ago, they were driving right hand side of the road too, using dollar too, US dollar. Yeah. yeah. It's like a extended American base or, or, yeah, Amer- and then Okinawa, land. yeah because Okinawa didn't become part of Japan until 1972. Mm, mm. Yeah. So going there is, it's not quite going to a different country, but it's it's definitely Almost. going and somewhere to get different yeah, kind of after, experience. Yeah, after Super Dolphin quit, quit um, Michinoku Pro Wrestling, he ran Osaka Pro Wrestling for, you know, five, six years. Then he moved to Okinawa and started Okinawa Pro Wrestling with Okinawa characters. Like in in the right in International Avenue is a tourist spot, and you know running wrestling show every night Monday through Friday Saturday, and had like three hundred shows a year. It's a great place to you know, for a rookie to learn, huh? Mm-hmm. So, and but the, it wasn't really acknowledged, and it wasn't like really publicized that the Kengo under the mask was working in Okinawa Pro Wrestling. But when he came back to Michinoku Pro Wrestling, had a you know real strong title match program against Fujita Jr. Hayato that uh, it was like Ken O was ready to become some big star. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But that was Shinzaki's vision. So he made Ken O, huh? And he made basically Meiko Satomura's Sendai uh, Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling. And these two things hasn't been really acknowledged. Yeah, he's always been. I guess not always, but since um, you know 2003 or when he started doing more behind the scenes stuff, he's been more of a behind the scenes character. He's been active, but he he hasn't been out in front of the camera or anything. Uh, he never retired, and he still work matches for Michinoku mm-hmm. uh, regular house shows, though. But he will never put himself in the main event, right? Right. They have and, their, you know, Tohoku Junior Heavyweight Champion wrestlers like Musashi and all those guys. Yeah, like generations young, I mean, like twenty years younger than Shinzaki, right? Mm-hmm. And um, 
a lot of people talk about after seeing his match this week and they say, wow, he looks the same as he did 30 yeah, years exactly ago. Exactly the same. Good his body's shape. the same, 56 years old. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like, people thought, is that the same Hakushi from 1996? Right. Yeah, it, it is. is. Yeah. So, so it's interesting that uh, I'm glad that this is our opportunity to talk about, you know, Jinsei's legacy. Yeah. Because it hasn't been talked about all that much. Because Michinoku Pro Wrestling is not based in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But there but, are companies out, you know, exist. Yeah. He really made an impact whenever he appeared somewhere. Even he, only, what, a couple appearances with New Japan. Couple, yeah. Sh- pretty short time with WWF. Um, and not always an active. He's been active, but he's, you know, part-time. And he's just not been in the ring so much but every time he shows up it's always something people talk about well he still works basically full-time no but it's mm-hmm. not like your new japan full-time like 150 matches a year of course yeah yeah smaller shows yeah he does, yeah, he does make guest appearance for all japan or dragon gate or other companies yes and always in character yeah so there's this type of wrestler that will probably pretty much look the same, you know, forever. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And also, well, we can't forget that that the, we talked about 1996 uh, New Japan's Tokyo Dome card, Great Muta against Hakushi. But there was the Sumo Palace that Michinoku's like Michinoku Pro Wrestling's Tokyo, you know, like a super show at the Sumo Palace that that was Undertaker against Hakushi in Japan. Yeah, that's big. There was some pretty interesting press before those matches with, and right before the match when it's before it started, Shinzaki actually went back to New York and got out of grave, and he they, they videotaped it. Yeah, because they buried Hakushi in New York, right? So he has to come back like a zombie, and they they videotaped it. Yeah, and he had the Undertaker's decapitated head, and he brought it to him with. In the ring. Right, that, that too. Oh, yeah. So those storyline thing is very carefully, you know, carefully produced, much like how Great Muta pays attention to little details. So they're similar in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty much you thought that the, this Great Muta's final bye-bye, you know, match, Hakushi was the VIP, you know, like a pretty much, you know, most valuable player. He was very important part of it. Everybody had their played their role did it yeah. perfectly and i mm-hmm. think everybody i think darby and marafuji came off very yeah. interesting and exciting mm-hmm. sting felt like, uh, like almost like the undertaker it's kind of invincible right right that's the same sting from decades ago yes and sting and great muta or keiji muto had their history in japan and america yeah mm. And the post-match promo, Sting was saying, this man made me better. Like the right. WCW in the days. Yeah, because they they worked around horn, all the house shows, single match, night after night. And uh, they really better each other, I think. Yeah. So I think that's a good account of what Jinsei Sinjaki's career has been like. Although, you know what we didn't talk about? We probably should. When... What? Shinzaki and Hayabusa showed up in ECW. 
Right, right. Hayabusa and Shinzaki Jinsei against Sabu and RVD then. That's right. right. Heat Wave 1998. Dayton, Ohio, was it? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, because they drove from Michigan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that they, was a reintroduction of Hakushi to the American audience. Smaller audience, but... Right. And Hayabusa and Hakushi together, they worked all Japan pro wrestling, like hmm. almost uh, like a real tag team tournament. And also they were the all Asian tag team champions. They, you know, during this real world tag team tournament in December, the traditional all Japan tag team tournament, they had matches against people like Stan Hansen, Terry Gordy, Steve Williams. Uh, Misawa Kobashi. Misawa Kobashi, yeah. So they went through oh, that yeah. too. Everybody. Yeah. They had a kind of hot time in 1997. Mm -hmm. And in 1998, mm -hmm. they traveled to the States. But he was never signed with Old Japan that he wanted to be a Michinoku guy working mm -hmm. gig shows. Mm. So brought the Thunder back to hometown too. Because he was on network TV every week for that time period. Yeah, he's was a big very... attraction type wrestler. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the fantasy character mm -hmm. never, you know, like a break character. You know, as, I mean, as long as he's in the wrestling building, he just stays in character that pretty much that the never lose it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's like a statue almost. Yeah. He's like a, you know, unmovable statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and all his wrestling moves are original. You know that uh, it's not Keiji Muto's leg sweep, dragon screw. It's like a opposite, you know, direction. Yes. You know what I'm yeah, and uh, not the camel crutch. He got it from the Sheik and Sabu, but he does it like a you know that uh, Goku Goku Rakugatame that's made it into his own form, and uh, this, he does this a backward pelle kick too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all kind of twisted differently and made it, you know, make it into like original move. He's very careful about that too. Walking the ropes and right, flying it shoulder tackle a lot during this WWE uh, days because only person he walks on the rope was Undertaker, so he mm -hmm. didn't do that in America. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When he worked Jan Baba's tag team, uh, the only one Tokyo Dome card Jan Baba had, he was in the six-man tag team package with, against Jan Baba, and he walked the rope holding Jan Baba's hand. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that at the Tokyo Dome show? Yep, yep. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. So he worked a lot of big shows, but yeah. stayed being Michinoku person. Yeah. Quite humble. Well, that's just all in all, that's his company too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. So very interesting. It's like a local promoter, producer, and top wrestler, and character, and also entrepreneur. Yeah. And he must have a, a good health and a diet plan too. He's uh, somebody. Oh, the, way, the way he's looking? We all should look up to uh, for somebody his age. He looks arguably better than he did 30 years ago i mean that was i think really surprising thing to a lot of people how he looked uh, and how he also, yeah, i almost forget that the, he gives uh uh that the class at the seniors home you know that uh like a stretching you know like with music 
Oh wow! Know, where, yeah, like a nursing home. He goes around nursing home and give class, like a like a stretching. yoga kind of. Yeah, classes. Yeah. Wow. The one he created. Who really is like a Buddhist priest? Yeah, interesting. We should know more about him. Yeah. I know he's not going to say so. He's too. He's no, too, very humble, huh? Too That's humble to he's... say anything, but he's a pilgrim. He's, <laughs> he's the pilgrim, yeah, the white angel. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's amazing. Interesting. He lives it. He's the real deal. Yeah. There's that, I think there's something very unique and different about him compared with other wrestlers. There is a different aura about him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's why I think people like Great Mutter really respected him. Hmm. Yeah. He was really a perfect rival for the Great Muta character, huh? Right. It's not for the whole year, you know, that when he becomes Great Muta, it, it takes certain character for. So, yeah. This meeting is being recorded. So uh -huh. he, yeah, hmm. Hakushi was Great Muta's perfect opponent. Yes. So let's, let's wrap it up for today. Cause um, yeah. that, that really does it. But um, if we want to contact you and have questions or comments, okay, where can on we find Twitter? You? At Fumihiko Dayo, F U M I H I K O D A Y O, Fumihiko Dayo on Twitter, or just Fumi Saito on Facebook. And on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K N I P P E R. That's it for now. So until next week, Fumi, take it away. So long from Tokyo. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars limited time only price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer single item at regular price Ba -da -ba -ba -ba.